Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. The Cotton Bowl is coming up, Penn State and Memphis, on Saturday, and if you are looking for some last-minute tickets to the Cotton Bowl, you can get them on GameTime. Uh, you can go look at the actual seats, specifically the view you would have at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Uh, plenty of upper deck seats going for pretty affordable prices, so... I'm sure it will be a good crowd on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl, but you can get in the door for pretty affordable prices if you use the GameTime app. And GameTime is also hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets on game time. Welcome back to our holiday edition of Dear Old State, the Athletics Penn State podcast. I am the Athletic College Football Editor, Matt Brown, joined by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder, who is gearing up for her big trip to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. Audrey, how are you entering Christmas here? Oh, that's a loaded question, Matt. I am coming <laughs> to you today, Monday of Christmas week, from my parents' basement, so I did make it back home. Stereotypical, uh, so that was nice. typical blogger move here. Like, that, it is. Yeah, it's a uh, very cozy, more specifically, Matt, it's a Packers rec room, <laughs> of course. which if anyone knows me, this should not come as a surprise. Uh, so yeah, made it back home, survived three Christmas parties over the weekend, and then uh, I will head out to Dallas uh, Christmas afternoon. I'll fly out of Philadelphia. I'm sure the airport will be lovely on, on the actual holiday. Maybe it won't be too bad. And, uh, yeah, things will really get rolling on the 26th when Penn State has uh, media day. So it is a it is a weird week, Matt. I'm not going to lie. I will probably <laughs> reference the wrong day several times. It's like I don't know what day today is. Um, other than that, we're recording a podcast, so I know that it has to be a Monday. Yeah, we are both in our parents' houses surrounded by stereotypical things. I am in my childhood bedroom surrounded <laughs> by about 100 mini college football helmets. I have <laughs> all but nice. like 30 of the FBS, so I'm doing pretty good here. But yes, it is. we are recording this on Monday, on the 23rd. Uh, this will be our only Dear Old State podcast this week with the holiday. We hope everybody enjoys their Christmas or happy holidays this week. Uh, so we're going to do our game preview today here on Dear Old State. And it's, yeah, the Cotton Bowl is coming up on Saturday. So it's it's a normal game week in that the game is on a Saturday. But otherwise, there's nothing normal about it. Uh, but Penn State has arrived in Texas. Uh, before they did that, though, they had their on-campus bowl media day on Friday. So why don't we get into that a little bit before we start breaking down the Cotton Bowl itself. Uh, a little bit of news came out of Friday, but... I think the most important news was that there was no news yet regarding KJ Hamlin. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it was very interesting in that James Franklin said that, you know, there's going to be more decisions that will be announced after the bowl game. Obviously, he didn't say who, but the first person who, of course, would come to mind in that scenario would be KJ Hamler. And Hamler met with the media Friday afternoon. And Matt, I thought it was fascinating because I've been through a 
you know, a bunch of these over the years where it's guys are trying to make up their mind and sometimes they know and they'll just say, hey, I don't want to answer it or I'm just waiting till afterward. But Hamler at one point said he didn't know what he was going to do, that he's waiting for a sign, he's been praying on it, he's not sure. He sounded very torn. He looked really stressed out, which is not how I typically would describe the happy-go-lucky KJ Hamler. Seemed pretty stressed out. But then later on, when other reporters were there, he said that he had made up his mind and that he was going to announce a decision after the bowl game. And then he like backtracked later on and said how he's going to Haluba Hall late at night to pray, and he just really seemed unsure. So I don't know if it's a matter of he's made up his mind or he made up his mind during the course of 15 minutes meeting with the media and being tired of being asked about it. Uh, Surely he's going to be asked about it again at Bowl Media Day on the 26th in Dallas. But to me, Matt, I mean, we've talked about it on here before. This is a guy who Dane Brugler at The Athletic has him ranked, uh, you know, potentially as the ninth best receiver in this class. It's a very loaded receiving core. You know, my argument there is what does he have individually to gain by staying? And I really do don't think there's a whole heck of a lot. Um, I mean, he's a guy who's built around speed, finesse, dynamic, playmaking abilities. Um, He's not going to get any bigger another year at college. Like I think for him, um, you know, maybe leaving would be, would be in his best interest, but who knows, Matt, because I could see this playing out either way with him. I mean, I think if you would have asked me this a week ago, I would have said, yes, for sure. He's gone. But then after talking to him, it was like you could almost see him having this internal struggle as he was talking with us, you know, and he said, Sean Clifford's bugging him all the time, saying, what are you doing? Obviously, Pat Fryermuth is coming back. Michael Mennett's coming back. So maybe does that make it a little more tempting to want to give it one last go around? Um, I don't know. But to me, it sounded like KJ Hamler was very torn. But the fact that he said a decision is coming after the bowl game leads me to believe that maybe he's gone. But, Matt, trying to read the mind of 18- to 22-year-olds, which is so much of this job between recruiting and covering the team, you never really know. Um, But the fact that Hamler said that this decision was harder than he ever thought it was going to be when he was a kid thinking of turning pro, um, I think that really tells you all that you need to know about this time of year for these guys because there's so much going on. Yeah, then there's a lot that goes into these decisions, and it's mm-hmm. you know there's still a long time. Like you know the the fact that we got early announcements from Gross Matos that he's leaving, and then from Fryermuth and the others that they're staying, it kind of puts Hamler's decision in a different light. But Hamler is the one who's actually following the normal time timeline. Like a lot yeah. of these guys usually don't announce until after the bowl game or decide until after the bowl game. And to me, it's not just not surprising that he would be torn. He is a guy with like a borderline case, as we said. You know, it is a very good receiver, receiving class in the draft, potentially. Uh, and, you know, he he's a redshirt sophomore, so he's played only two years at Penn State. He sat the first year, you know, kind of recovering from that knee injury he mm-hmm. had the last year of his high school career. But, he, you know, he's very close with Sean Clifford, as you've written about, the, the quarterback. And I'm sure, you know, part of him wants, hey, you know, you mentioned in your story on Friday, you know, Pat Fryermuth feels like it seems like has some unfinished business, wants to come back, wants to try to beat Ohio State. Uh, I think a lot of these guys probably feel that way. They want to come back and, and you know, they know that they could have a pretty loaded team that's going to be uh, highly rated, highly regarded going into next year if everybody comes back. And, you know, people – there's a lot that goes into it. So you don't want to – I'm sure 
the pleas from uh, his teammates <laughs> way on his mind. And, you know, I think, you know, there's ways he can improve. I think there's ways he can improve, get a little bit more polished. I think he can improve his ball skills a little bit. He had some drops this year. And I think it's probably, you know, he had a great season this year. Could be even better next year, I think, with Sean Clifford making strides as, uh, you know, as a quarterback. But then again, it'll be a new offensive coordinator, you know, at least yep. partially a new offense. Uh, and, you know, as you said, you know, he's not going to get any bigger. And he's also a guy that knows all too well what it's like to, to lose a season or really two seasons because of injuries. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, getting hurt at the beginning of his of his senior year of high school and then he, you know, basically missed two years of football, right? So it's he's a guy who knows that, you know, an injury can happen at any time and, you know, you're putting yourself at risk. That's just all the calculus that goes into it. But what we do know is that he will be playing in the Cotton Bowl. Um, so Penn State at least is not really dealing with that. It sounds as well as if uh, Yitzhak Grossmatos will also suit up in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, and the Etor one was interesting because obviously he already declared or plans to declare for the draft. He made that known after the Rutgers game. Um, but Matt, he's still wearing a splint on his left hand. And when we were at practice Friday night, he had a club on that left hand. So he was practicing. He said he does plan to play. And I asked him why. I said, you know, like, obviously you're leaving after this. And he laughed and he's like, yeah, there's really no question about it. Like, I want to play. It's my last game with my teammates. Um, So even though, you know, there's clearly something going on with his hand, wrist, fingers, whatever it is, uh, he's still very adamant about playing and kind of going out on a high note, that sort of thing. Put one Um, of those giant clubs on the hands and the guys are usually all right. So we have seen defensive linemen play with that on. So it's not like it's not out of the ordinary, although you would say, yeah, given that he's injured, it is a little it is a little unusual, but I, I Doubt he can hurt it worse if he's got that giant club on his hand, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. It's like these guys probably get their fingers mangled all the time. It's like, oh, just another day at the office. Uh, I mean, we've seen Rob Windsor playing, you know, playing with a club for quite a few weeks now, too. Um, So you have that. But I thought the Fryermuth part was really interesting, Matt, because, you know, we knew he was and he was the one who really started this whole like kind of saying what you're going to do early deal, because right after the Rutgers game, we're in the media room. Pat's walking out of the locker room and it's like, boom, there's a tweet that he's coming back. And I know I had mentioned it here on Dear Old State before, Matt, but I like just happened to be behind the bench at Ohio State during the final minutes of that game. And he was really distraught. I mean, it was like towel over the head, crying, screaming. And I'm thinking like, okay, is, is this it for him? You know, is this just all the emotions pouring out because he knows he's gone? Well, no, apparently that was the, he was so ticked off that in the locker room, he said to Sean Clifford, we're going to get them next year. I'm coming back. So that was kind of his galvanizing moment. And, you know, and I thought a really great example of some of the things that we all oftentimes forget. He said, he, you know, he talked to his parents about potentially declaring and this and that. And his parents said to him, you know, you would have to live on your own. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, but like I'm 21, but I don't always act like it. And he's like, I'm not ready to pay bills. And like, well, I'm pretty sure you would be Pat if you went to the NFL and are uh, first or second round pick. I think he'd be all right there. You can hire somebody to do that for you. Um, But maybe it's good that he didn't think of that. I'm sure for Penn State, it's great that he didn't think of that. Um, But, you know, he just he wants to have another year of college and wants to have the whole experience and get closer to his degree because, of course, he is only a sophomore. Uh, But that I thought was a really like good humanizing moment where he's like, yeah, I'm just not ready for it yet, you know, Uh, which again, these are in many ways for a lot of these guys, these can be the best, you know, three to five years of your life with experiences that you're never going to, you know, be able to get back. So there is that side of it too. 
Um, although I'm sure the money is quite tempting, Matt. Well, we've never had to make a decision like that. I'm sure for those people in those decisions, uh, you know, you can you can see how it weighs on them, how yes. it eats at them, how it keeps them up at night. Uh, and I guess the other thing, going back to Hamler real quickly too, is like, I mean, as long as you don't fill out the paperwork and hire an agent, I mean, there's that wiggle room too. He said after the bowl game an announcement's coming, but Penn State begins their spring semester uh, January 13th, that Monday. Uh, so there is, again, there's still a lot of time at play here. And the, you kind of hinted at with Friday there. It's, you know, a lot of the past few years as guys have skipped bowl games and then there's been debates, oh, you know, so-and-so, Leonard Fournette should skip his last year because he's already NFL ready. It's like, I get those arguments, but like people forget that these people, these players uh, actually do like playing college football. Like, that yeah. gets like lost into it. They have friends. They have close friends. They don't want to disappoint teammates. They enjoy playing Roommates. college football. Like, yeah, people are putting themselves at risk, but, you know, that's football. Like, they, I think everybody understands that. So, you know, it's, I think it certainly seems to be the case for Fryermuth, who, you know, he's an older sophomore, but he still has only played two years at Penn State. You know, he didn't, didn't redshirt, so he's in a kind of a unique circumstance. Uh, and, and he hasn't even been on campus for two full years yeah, yet. Yeah. You know, that's the other part of it. It's like you start thinking about it, and it's like he probably isn't really anywhere close to his degree just, you know, because of the fact that he hasn't been there that long. So it's it's so many things, Matt, but this is like the ultimate catch-all time of the year. Well, let's move on, I guess, to some of – we talked about injuries a little bit. Uh, you know, not, James Franklin typically doesn't go into too much detail with injuries, but it does sound like Penn State will be healthier on offense for this game. I think we expect Sean Clifford to play, and we expect mm-hmm. Noah Kane to play. Yeah, he said that Sean Clifford should be 100% for the game, that as of last week when Clifford was practicing, he wasn't 100%, but they anticipate he will be back there. Uh, Sean Clifford did meet with the media on Friday as well, and he said that Without getting into specifics of his injury, of course, I mean, the way they spoke the week after the Rutgers game, Matt, it still sounded like there maybe was some sort of procedure done, uh, some sort of cleanup, and the way Clifford talked, it kind of sounded like that, at least to me anyway. Again, don't know that for sure, but that's what what it kind of sounded like, and Franklin said that, you know, he's healthier now, Clifford is certainly healthier now than he was, you know, ahead of the Rutgers game, so... He's going to be back, ideally at 100%, and I, as is my duty here, Matt, apparently, um, I asked him about Noah Kane, and I said, you know, because we were talking about freshmen, hitting the freshman wall, and I said, you know, how has Noah Kane handled really everything from that Michigan State game on? Because this is a guy who's never dealt with a major injury before. Uh, This is a guy who we've heard so much. I wrote about it last spring. Football means the world to him. Um... And James Franklin said, you know, that they didn't know how Kane's body was going to respond and that they kept thinking it was week to week, but then he just wouldn't look right in practice. So then they'd put him out another week. You know, then this whole thing just kept lingering. And he said that's kind of what surprised Penn State about it was that this injury just lingered, but that Kane should be healthy for the bowl game. Uh, So again, Matt, we'll see how the rotation plays out, uh, what this guy looks like really with quite a long layoff um you know he's had one carry since the end of october yeah i've forgotten that he did make an appearance in the ohio state game but it was very brief yes carry from one yard (laughs) there was that hot second that he was in the ohio state game um but franklin said you know the more they looked at him the more they'd watch him warm up they'd watch him in practice like he just didn't look right but in practice last week he looked good again he looked back to his healthy self uh so i think you see that and the other thing talking with players 
uh, this came up that Daniel George has been battling through a hand injury for most of the year. So obviously receiver dealing with a hand injury, not ideal, um, but apparently he's feeling pretty good now um, from what they said. I did notice we were at practice Friday night, and this should not come as a surprise, uh, but Donovan Johnson still was not practicing. He has not played since the pit game. Uh, so there's a guy who essentially has lost a whole season with some sort of what looked like either a shoulder or arm injury because uh, he had it in a sling earlier this year. So, you know, you have all these kind of things to keep an eye on. But, Matt, to me, the Daniel George part is very interesting yes. because one of the things I'm gonna, gonna, going to be writing about this week on The Athletic is the state of this receiving core and what happens if K.J. Hamler leaves? You know, I spent a lot of time talking with Jahan Dotson at Media Day on Friday trying to pick his brain, and you signed five receivers. Penn State certainly has to feel like some of these, you know, of those five that at least maybe two and three can come in and compete right away because as it is currently, Matt, I believe roughly they have about 13 scholarships invested in the receiving core when you add in these five signees. Um and the production has not been there. I mean, that's behind Hamler. I understand Fryermuth garners a lot of attention. Jahan Dotson's that number two. But you got shorter in the portal. I do not see him coming back. I know, obviously, technically it could still be an option if Penn State would want him back, if he would want to be back at Penn State. But the fact that K.J. Hamler said he had no idea what was going on with Shorter, that Shorter's entry to the portal surprised him. Um, I think that kind of probably tells us all there is to know there that, you know, maybe Shorter internalized a lot of this, was frustrated, and entered the portal. Um, so, yeah, what is the future of that receiving core? I am very curious to find out. So I'll be diving into that a bit this week. Your sweatpants are on for the day, but you're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. Enter DoorDash, restaurant-quality food with a living room dress code. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code STATE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code STATE. Don't forget, that's promo code STATE for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. I'm glad you brought up Daniel George, too, because, yeah, if he's, like, healthy, I mean, he's, like, the forgotten man of this receiving core and that, mm-hmm. you know... People, like, I mean, he might just, start the bowl game. He, Who he was in the same class as, as Justin Shorter, but so he's overshadowed because Shorter was, you know, the number one receiver recruit in the country. But Daniel George was a four-star recruit, and we've seen some flashes. You know, his first appear, his first catch yes, was the, a, first one. the longest catch in Penn State history, a 95 yarder. yarder. It was a garbage time against Kent State, but it, it still was a 95 yarder. Uh, but you know, he's another guy who he can he could fill that role if he you know develops and is healthy. I mean, he's 6'2", 220 pounds. He's got big size, like like shorter. He's good as that kind of boundary receiver. So. I don't think we should dismiss the the possibility that, you know, he develops into a, a, a pretty high quality player there. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But he's just somebody that we want to see get a chance because it's still a chance that he does develop. I mean, he's still uh, only a redshirt freshman this year. Um, so, you know, we shouldn't dismiss the development of any of these guys who are really young. And, you know, there's a lot of young guys. We talk about, you know, the the two freshmen who didn't play much Dunmore, this year in Jones. Jones and Dunmore. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about all these freshmen arriving. There's still plenty of potential. It's just 
It's just Who's a mystery. It gonna be? It's like the biggest mystery about next year. If I mean, if Hamler comes back, I feel like they will be in good shape because there's Hamler. Obviously, he's one of the best receivers in the country. I think Dotson showed a lot this year. You know, he wasn't yeah. a superstar, but he, he's trending into being a, a pretty productive player. For Armyth to be back, you know, they're deep at tight ends, and it's like. Of course, we said this this year. We might have said it last year. You figure somebody else will eventually emerge as kind of that third guy. And it didn't happen this year. But with all those scholarships invested and how well they have recruited the position, yep. you'd think somebody will emerge. So if Hamar comes back, I still feel pretty optimistic about the receiving core. It's just it's a storyline that's not going to go away until somebody does step up. And if Hamar leaves, then it's really not going to go away. And, and the thing that stood out to me, uh, talking with John Dotson, he said, you know, that there's so many plays this year that, of course, he he would want to have back and, you know, slipping against Minnesota there. Like, that's obviously one of them. That's something that he's thought a lot about. Um, but in terms of Matt, like, the leadership in that room and somebody being vocal, like, that's not Dotson's personality at all. He's a really quiet guy. I asked him about his leadership style, and he said he's like, as I'm sure you've probably noticed, I don't say a lot. Um, And Hamler said that Daniel George kind of is that vocal guy, which is interesting because, you know, we haven't spoken to George. I honestly, Matt, I don't think he's been made available all year because, I mean, there really hasn't been a need to talk to him. You know, he hasn't hasn't played much, hasn't been healthy, those kinds of things. Uh, But at Bold Media Day on the 26th, it's supposed to be at least everybody on Penn State's too deep that's made available, uh, including your coordinators. So for Penn State, obviously that means Brunt Pry, and that leads us to our next point, Matt. There you go, good transition. Bringing my A transition <laughs> game today uh, is that Tyler Bowen will be the interim offensive coordinator for the bowl game, which we had talked all along. I thought that was the obvious choice for the in-house promotion for this game. I mean, we saw Penn State do it before with Ricky Ronnie, uh, and they you know had promoted him to be the interim coordinator. And you know, this is essentially a job interview for Tyler Bowen. And if it's not a job interview for this Penn State job as an OC, which it very well could be and probably is, it's also an interview for him down the road elsewhere. I mean, this is a chance for him to say, hey, you know, here's the game I called against Memphis uh, with Penn State. And, you know, you look at Bowen, he's like one of these young rising stars. At least that's how Penn State thinks of him. I know Joe Moorhead, uh, who worked with him before at Fordham, thinks very highly of him as well. And so you look at it, but Franklin wasn't going to give any indication on a timeline for his hire, uh, wasn't going to say whether or not it's a hire that could come from somebody who's currently in the NFL or whether it's somebody currently in college. Um, he said that, you know, it really wouldn't be fair to Penn State to get to give away too many details because then, of course, you start tipping your hand as to who's your first candidate, who's the second, this and that. But he did say that internal candidates are under consideration Um but I felt, Matt, that the way he spoke, it sensed, it came to me at least, or it came across that way to me, that it, he's leaning more externally. Sounds but again, way. I mean, if, if Bowen lights it up in the bowl game, who knows? Um, I know the players spoke highly of Tyler Bowen. They're looking forward to him calling the bowl game. Uh, but it sounded like, you know, Franklin said, hey, this we know this has to be a big hire. Uh, they certainly get that. So... I don't know when that news is going to happen, Matt. Uh, he would not say if it's going to happen before the bowl game, if it happens after the bowl game. Uh, we don't know, so we will just remain on high alert. I'm going to guess after the bowl game, but yeah. we'll see. We're recording Again, we're recording this on Monday, still several days until the game. But it seems more likely than not, but who knows? 
But speaking of the bowl game, we should get into our mm-hmm. quick matchup preview here. Again, it is it's an early for New Year's Six game. It is an early bowl game. Penn State will be the uh, lead into the two college football playoff semifinals on ESPN. It is number ten Penn State and number seventeen Memphis in Arlington, Texas, uh, noon Eastern time on uh, Saturday. So it is a early game, early kickoff. It's an eleven a.m. kickoff down in Texas. And uh, Penn State is a seven point favorite. The over under is 60. And, you know, as we've talked about, don't don't dismiss Memphis. Uh, The the group Mm -hmm. of five teams are three and two in New Year's six bowls since this format started in 2014. Uh, UCF beat Auburn a couple years ago. Uh, Houston beat Florida State 2015. And in the first year, Boise State beat Arizona. Uh, The Big Ten did have a win. Wisconsin beat undefeated Western Michigan in the Cotton Bowl a few years ago. And last year, UCF played LSU close but lost. But still, 3-2 and two for the group of five teams is pretty good. And this is a good Memphis team that they did lose to Temple. Uh, the thing that kind of played into that a lot was turnovers. They turned the ball over four times in that game, but did put up a ton of offense. And, you know, even if you look at the, you know, Penn- Memphis is number 17 in the playoff rankings. And that aligns pretty well with like the advanced metrics uh, memphis is 24th in espn's fpi 13th in espn's sp plus 17th in the jeff sagarin rankings and 15th in the massey computer composite rankings so the advanced rate ratings do like memphis they're eighth in yards per play on offense 37th on defense and uh new coach though for the tigers mike norvell has left for florida state so Offensive line coach Ryan Silverfield was the interim coach, but he's already been made the permanent head coach. So he's the guy. Uh, Norvell also called plays. So the play caller is gone here. Uh, So two teams with new play callers on offense. And Memphis defensive coordinator Adam Fuller is also gone. They had to promote an interim coach. uh, Kevin Clune will be the interim defensive coordinator. And also Memphis will be missing its right tackle. Scotty Dill starting right tackle. uh, Gone from the team will not be playing in this game, but... Audrey, this is a, an explosive Memphis team that is going to test the Penn State oh, yeah. secondary that showed some liabilities down the stretch. Yeah, and so much of these bowl games, Matt, and it's something that came up in Bowl Media Day last week too, is like, you know, is this a springboard for next year? And in some regards it is, but you look at the secondary and you say, okay, this is the last game for John Reed. Um, you know, you have Terry Castro-Fields back there. It's also the last game for Garrett Taylor back there. Um, and they really need to shore up the communication. Obviously, the front seven uh, could have their hands full, and we've seen it, Matt, with this pass rush being inconsistent at points this year. You know, as I mentioned before, last game wearing Penn State uniform for Retor Gross Matos. I mean, what kinds of plays do these guys make? Are they able to make? Um, because eventually, you know, Depending where Etor gets drafted, he's probably going to find himself playing on this massive stadium again uh, in Jerry World. But, you know, you just wonder, Matt, um, all the emotion, I think, that gets... We talk so much about that ahead of Senior Day, but it was also like, yeah, it's Rutgers, uh, so what, you know? But I think that matters in a game like this. You know, it's Rob Windsor, last game for him. You really look up and down this defense, Jan Johnson, Cam Brown. I mean, there's going to be a lot of new faces next year. And so this is a chance for these guys to end it on a high note to try and get that 11th win. Um, But I do think, as we saw with this defense several times, uh, they were vulnerable to giving up some big plays this year. And what has changed in the last month, um, 
during bowl prep? To me, that's always the big mystery, you know? Or is it kind of you get to that point in the year and you are what you are? I don't know. Um, We've seen the Penn State defense be very good this year. We've also seen it be kind of puzzling at points this year, too. So I really don't know what we're going to get from them, Matt. Yeah, and limiting the big plays is kind of the whole key to this game because Memphis is mm-hmm. explosive on offense. You know, yeah, they're a group of five team, but they're really good on offense. Now, again, they don't have their play caller, uh, Mike Norvell, but Kevin Johns, who is the coordinator now, has some experience. He's, he's been an offensive coordinator before, um, and Silverfield has been very involved in the run game as well, and the run game has been great for Memphis. You know, they lost Daryl Henderson, who was one of the best running backs in the country last year. But they still returned a thousand yard rusher in Patrick Taylor. He was supposed to be the guy and then he got hurt early. So it's okay. It's the next guy up. It's freshman Kenneth Gainwell. Well, 1400 yards, 12 touchdowns on the ground and 44 catches for 532 yards as a receiver. So I'm not saying he's Saquon Barkley. He's not, but it's Saquon like (laughs) numbers, at least in terms of what he's the way he's been involved in the offense, Uh, you know, in that versatile skill set, he's got some explosiveness averages 6.4 yards per carry. But also Taylor is back as well. He missed most of the season, uh, but he is back and scored three touchdowns in the South Florida game a few weeks ago. Uh, not as explosive, but just still another guy. And uh, Demonte Coxie, the receiver as well, is 1,100 yards this year. Uh, at quarterback Brady White, 3,500 yards, 33 touchdowns. So Memphis can score some points, but here's where I say Penn State might have an advantage. I already mentioned Memphis is, losing, is playing without its right tackle. You know, they haven't faced a ton of great defenses. Uh, According to Sports Info Solutions, Brady White is 74th in the country in passer rating while pressured. So if Penn State can get after him, we know, you know, Penn State had a little bit of trouble with the run game against Ohio State, but I think a big part of that was Justin Fields. And they haven't seen many mobile quarterbacks. Brady White is not going to be a threat in the running game here. So if they can contain Gainwell and contain the running game and maybe put Memphis in more you know, third and obvious passing situations than yeah. usual. That's where, you know, this game comes down to can Penn State's defensive front help out the, the the defensive backs? And can they get pressure on Brady White? He can make some mistakes, can turn the ball over at times. And I think that's the key to it. If Penn State can kind of contain the running game and make some big plays on defense, then I think that puts Penn State in a really favorable position. And you got that consensus All-America selection, Michael Parsons, back there, Matt. Uh, That was the other thing that came out of last week. Uh, He's a consensus All-American. And Michael Parsons said on Friday that his, you know, his goal for this game, it's not about him. He said he wants to get Jan Johnson and Cam Brown a nice fat bowl ring. (laughs) So that's what he's working (laughs) on. He said, I want to get those guys a fat ring. And it's like, okay. So that's, you know, that's his thing. And I think, too, Matt, we mentioned it a little bit earlier but you look at all the transition with Memphis, and obviously Penn State, you know, with Tyler Bowen serving as interim offensive coordinator. But a number that James Franklin brought up uh, last week, which I thought was fascinating, because of course they had looked into this, uh, was Franklin said that Memphis has averaged seven staff changes a year over the yes. last four yeah. years. Norvell's done a and, remarkable job of like cycling through kissing coaches, but like keeping it together because they, 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 they yeah. just been consistently good. It's pretty remarkable. If you're a football fan, the holiday season is here, and we know what that means. It's bowl season, as in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game on January 13th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway for the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all that action and more, 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day. From odds boosts to free bets, DraftKings has it all. 
It's the final week of the pro football season, so be sure to get your bets in this weekend. And don't miss out on the bowl games happening all week long, too. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook will give new users a free bet just for signing up. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code TOSS. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code TOSS to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And Franklin said, he said, you know, he goes, my point to his team, to Penn State, was that their players at Memphis are used to this. You know, they've gone through this countless times, so don't think that Memphis is just going to roll over um, just because they've had all these changes, because they've gone through it before. Um, So I I do think you have to keep that in mind. Um, In terms of big play potential from Penn State's offense, Matt, I am curious what Sean Clifford looks like now compared to what we saw, you know, as he kind of limped to the finish Mm -hmm. line of the regular season. What's the difference there with the layoff, with him healing, getting right? Nobody needed um, it more, I don't think, than, than Sean Clifford after all the yeah. hits he took this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, he said it was something that was bothering him during the Minnesota game, and he took some big hits in that game too. So how much better does he look with all this layoff and with improved health? And with all of that, of course, as we mentioned earlier, the receiving core, Matt, what what can these guys do, not named K.J. Hamler, to try and use this as a springboard for next year? Because you know that Hamler's as dynamic as he is. You know that Pat Fryermuth is the big matchup weapon. Uh, you know, would not be shocked if either of those guys have big games because that's that's what they are. That's what this offense is. We saw Journey Brown finish the regular season really strong. As we mentioned, Noah Kane's supposed to be back healthy. Um and Matt, since I always find a way to bring this back to the Packers, because that's what I do, uh, Donald Driver met with Penn State's <laughs> team Sunday during their practice in Dallas. The Packers great, of course, played for James Franklin in 2005. And while I don't want to get into the specifics of that 4-12 and season when James Franklin was the Packers receivers coach, uh, it's been something Franklin had mentioned before, how he wanted to bring Driver in. Um, I remember when he first got there, James Franklin wore a watch all the time, and he said it was a gift from Donald Driver. Um, I don't know if he still wears this watch. I don't think he does, but whatever. Maybe he put it on for practice. Who knows? Um, But Donald Driver was there this week, which is a very fitting time because Penn State's receivers uh, could use a little, uh, maybe a little pick-me-up here as they work to build some depth, work to turn that corner. Um, And Driver's son's also a 2022 recruit. Uh, apparently a highly touted defensive back who Penn State has already offered, uh, as has like pretty much every other school. So there's a little recruiting nugget for everyone who's still listening to us on this holiday week episode. Um, but yeah, Matt, I just am curious how this offense ends the season uh, because one of the things that came up uh, at Bowl Media Day was several players said, you know, we don't think we were explosive enough and we didn't hit that benchmark consistently and that's what they're based around. I mean, that's what Tyler Bowen is still going to want this offense for his game as the interim coordinator to be based around the chunk plays. Um, we've seen Hamler do it countless times. We've seen Dotson do it a little bit. We've seen Fryermuth do it a lot. But who are some of these other guys? And, Matt, I'll throw this one out there, too. How does the season end for Ricky Slade? 
Great question. I truly have no idea. Um, I wonder if we saw him have some success as a pass catcher. Is that something that maybe they think about doing next year? I don't know. Uh, but as we already know, this is a very loaded backfield. Um, maybe can they try to tap into his skill set a little bit more in this kind of game? Uh, maybe is this game a stepping stone for him, the guy who started the season as the starter, the former five-star back, uh, who's then been buried on the depth chart? I don't know, Matt. Yeah, or is this a game for, for Devin Ford or Noah Cater, Journey <laughs> Brown? We truly do not know. Well, Memphis's defense has been pretty good like it's certainly been improved it's been pretty good although they are vulnerable to big plays if you look at you know they okay this they did play an extra game they've played 13 games because they were the american athletic conference championship game but they have given up uh lost it here there it is (laughs) 37 plays this year of 30 or more yards which ranks uh toward the bottom in the country they are 119th in terms of most in plays given up that were 30 or more yards. You know, you look at like Ohio State played an extra game as well, but they've only given up 12. Penn State uh, has given up uh, 19 of those. So Penn State's basically given up half as many 30 plus yard plays as Memphis. So on a per play basis, Memphis has been pretty solid this year, at least defensively, but they haven't faced, you know, a ton of great offenses necessarily. They didn't play UCF this year. And they have given up some big plays. So there is an opportunity you mentioned for Penn State to try to hit those benchmarks. Uh, It's an opportunity for Hamler. It's an opportunity for Ricky Slade, for Journey Brown, which leads us to the question that we need to ask going into the last game. We've done it all year on Gerald State. While the running game developed more clarity down the stretch, if Noah Kane is back and healthy here. Oh, Lord. We're back back to it. I think I do know our answer probably here. uh, But who will lead Penn State in rushing in the Cotton Bowl? You know, Matt, I want to say the obvious choice, which is Journey Brown, but part of me be, yeah. <laughs> also just wants to say Noah Kane, just to say, oh hey, like now you're going to head into the If James Franklin headache. is listening to this, that's what he's expecting from you, I think. <laughs> uh, of course, I think I, I that's my uh, I've been pegged as the Noah Kane reporter, um, but I mean logic would dictate Journey Brown. Journey's had a heck of a season, um, you know. It, I really do wonder though, Matt, and. Now, after watching the Eagles yesterday, you see Miles Sanders with a lot of success as a pass catcher. We didn't see him catch a heck of a lot of balls last year at Penn State. Um, I just wonder if this backfield will get to a point where next year, and obviously not in the bowl game, but next year, where you see guys in more specific roles. Because I thought we were going to see that this year. You know, maybe like you'd have your short yardage guy, but then Kane gets hurt, you know, kind of as the goal line guy. So I'm just going to go with Journey Brown because he should be the starter. Uh, He's been very productive. But if one of these other guys goes off, Matt, I will not be one bit surprised. Well, I was going to say Journey Brown because I thought you were going to veer away and go different. But So I'm going to go somebody else then. And it it is a risk because we've seen him have one carry in the last two months, basically. (laughs) Okay, here's my argument for Noah Kane in that it's possible. Is that mm-hmm. although I do think maybe Journey Brown rips off a big run or something, as you know, we've said, he's been a very good running back. He's, he's been consistent down the stretch. I will say, you know, if this game, we didn't get into our predictions yet for the actual score, but if this game goes as expected, if it's, you know, Penn State's a seven point favorite, if they're trying to close out this game in the fourth quarter, then I think we could see Noah Kane return into that role as the closer. Uh, where he's the guy who, if you want to consistently move the chains and try to wear down the defense and, and try to milk some clock, we have seen him emerge as that. It's been a while now, but we did see him kind of emerge as that guy in the Iowa game 
so why not? Why not one last time say Noah Kane? And if we're saying Brown and Noah Kane, then I fully expect Sean Clifford to lead the team in rushing. But I'm going to say here's <laughs> here's the thing that also might enhance your uh, your your deal there, Matt. Noah Kane, while he considers Baton Rouge, Louisiana home, he did spend some time there in Texas go. as a kid. <laughs> uh, he started by playing some Texas high school football uh, after his family moved around uh, post Hurricane Katrina. And then he ended up, of course, at IMG Academy. So it was down to Texas and Penn State for Noah Kane. So uh, finding a nice way to tie in the uh, the massive great state of Texas there. Yeah, not many not many Texas connections for Penn State, but there is one there. Trent Gordon. So, Trent Gordon. Okay. Yep. Because <laughs> Penn State brought him to a press conference that apparently it was so early in the week that no reporters were at. <laughs> so I do know that he met with the media this week, but the media was not present. <laughs> Well, you will be present in a couple days at least. Oh, yes. Everybody, it is just a weird week with the Bulls and, and the schedule around Christmas. Uh, and so, yeah, Penn take a lot State, of... I mean, it is, as much as it's a weird week for us, like Penn State's off today because it's Monday and it's always their off day. Uh, so really, in terms of like media stuff, there's not much happening there right now. Uh, really, if anything, there's like a, there's nothing today. There's like a closed or maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes of an open practice on Christmas Eve nothing on Christmas Day, so then it'll be 26, 27. Uh, Also, Matt, a programming note, I would anticipate that Sandy Barber will meet with the media on the 27th, so the day before the game, Uh, so that'll be a good chance to try and get some uh, updates there. I asked her about why we haven't gotten the terms of James Franklin's contract Friday when I saw her at Penn State's press conference, and she said it's because Franklin hasn't signed the contract yet. That it's out of his hands as athletics is working on finalizing it. Um, so just a little programming note there, and that's why we have yet to disclose the contract terms to you all. My read on that situation is that they just tried to hurry to get agreed to basic terms yes. before signing day, which makes yes. a lot of sense. And then they're like, all right, we'll ha- we trust each other. We'll hash this out later, the final, the fine print at least. So that yeah. makes sense at least. I understand. Presumably I that's probably why it's concern. happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, all right, before we go here, final predictions for the game. Again, Penn State is a seven-point favorite. Over-under is 60. Uh, again, a group of five teams have had some success in these bowl games. But what do we think? Will Penn State get to 11 wins for the third time in four years, Audrey? I am going to say that Penn State will get to 11 wins, Matt. Uh, I think a healthy Sean Clifford here is is the key. And, you know, you look at the way the season finished up for him – I want to see if he can get back to where he was, you know, a month or so ago, or really two months ago, uh, when he looked like he was completing some of these shot plays. See if him and KJ Hamler can get that connection going again. Obviously, him and Pat Fryermuth have had a lot of success this year. So as as far as the numbers go, Matt, behind my glorious pick, I'm going to go Penn State 30, Memphis 24. All right, so you have mm-hmm. so there you go. You have Memphis covering by a point for the gamblers out there, Audrey. That's me. Audrey me noted for her gambling. There's nothing about gambling. <laughs> There's nothing about it. I just roll with it. I'm gonna go with Penn State to cover here. I'm gonna pick Penn State 37, Memphis 27. I do think it is an opportunity. Now again, Penn State has a, an interim offensive coordinator, but as I said, I think Memphis is a little bit vulnerable to big plays. I think Penn State's running game could end up having a pretty nice, pretty nice day here. And I think, you know, with the healthy Sean Clifford as well, I, I don't think we should discount how that affected the offense down the stretch. Um, he just seems like a guy who did wear down a little bit down the stretch. So 
yeah, Penn State 37, Memphis 27. I think it will be a pretty good game. I, I think Memphis is certainly capable of hitting some big plays of its own on offense. But Penn State is a deeper team. It's better defensively. It should be better in the trenches as well. So I am going to go to the Lions to and that could, uh, you know, not that beating, no disrespect to Memphis, but not that beating a an American Athletic Conference team is going to like set off the hype train for next year. But we do see a team if they help. finish strong here. And I think we both anticipate, you know, it partially depends on the Hamler decision, but we both anticipate Penn State to be pretty highly ranked next year. Uh, and certainly winning the bowl game always helps in that capacity. So and we'll you know see. what, Matt? Let's put that prediction out there, too. Since we're making bold <laughs> predictions. Wow. Early. Uh, well, we will know, see those early top 25s come out in a couple. Well, not until after the after the bowl game, after the championship game, typically. But they will be out soon. I mean, this is – it's such an opportunity. I mean, you look at the way last year ended in the Citrus Bowl, and a lot of players said, like, the tone was set after that game. I mean, Cam Brown went up to the guys in the locker room right there in Florida that day and said, listen, like, what just happened out there? We're not doing that again. Uh, so that's where I think when people say, oh, it's, you know, it's the end of this season, it is, but it's also a chance to put the right foot forward for next year, regardless of who stays, who goes, uh, you're starting to set a tone. And so I think, uh, Matt, I'm going to go back to, I just, I don't think you see KJ Hamler next year. That's just my gut. That's just my gut after talking with him. Again, I could be totally wrong. I've been wrong on here plenty of times, as many of you know. Um, <laughs> But that, that's my gut. So if it is his last game at Penn State, I don't know, Matt. Maybe this is the time for Penn State's special teams to get that uh, return for a touchdown with him back there. I don't know. Yeah, one last point I should bring up that I brought up before the show is mm-hmm. that if you look at ESPN's FPI numbers, which look at team efficiencies, Penn State is actually number one in the country in special teams efficiency this year. Memphis, number two. And we've mentioned the Joe Lurie connection as well. We should mention at least that you know the former Memphis special teams coach uh, a valuable member of the Penn State staff this year, of course. Special teams have just been not totally mistake-free, but pretty darn close. Uh, certainly better than last year. And, of course, Penn State can lean on Joe Lurig for all of its Memphis intel in the run-up to this game. And they have, actually. So John Dotson mentioned that. He said every day after practice, James Franklin has kind of been putting Joe Lurig on the spot and having him present a little something about Memphis, about what stood out. Um, about, you know, kind of the, the culture of their program and those sorts of things. So Penn State, they're tapping into those resources, Matt. Uh, I'm very curious to to see when I get down there on Thursday, no, Wednesday night, uh, when I get down there <laughs> Christmas night, to see, you know, just how things are going and the fact that we do have that media day. I'm curious to talk to a lot of these guys. Uh, and I'll throw this out there, too, for our wonderful listeners of Dear Old State uh, as always, we ask you to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is our Monday show that's free and open to everyone. Uh, Matt and I have been doing a bonus episode on Thursdays all season, with the exception being this week, of course, because of the holiday. Uh, but what do you guys want to know uh, from that open availability? You know, let us know. Get at me on Twitter at snyder 4 as many of you have. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of things that I want to know, things that I want to kind of load the notebook for for the off season. because Matt and I aren't going to go anywhere. We'll continue talking about this all off season. We'll continue digging into recruiting, um, looking at the big picture makeup of this team because, as we both know, Matt, it never ends. I mean, there's going to be an offensive coordinator hire coming here at some point this offseason. Uh, and when it does, we'll be digging into that as well. Well, first things first, we got a football game to play, final football right. game of the season. 
So, Audrey, enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your trip to Dallas. Hope it's a smooth trip down. And then to all of our listeners, if you're not an Athletic subscriber, it does make a great last-minute gift as well for for the holidays here. So, hope. Mm -hmm. thank you. I printed a few off already this week, Matt. (laughs) There you go. So you heard it here from Audrey. Take her advice and uh, subscribe to Athletic and read her great content. This week she will be down in in Texas with pregame coverage as well as our typical postgame coverage. And then, as we mentioned, uh, no second zero-old state this week, but we will be back as normal on Monday. And we will wrap up the Cotton Bowl and talk about what happened down in Texas, Penn State, and Memphis. So happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening to Dear Old State. And we will be back one more time here uh, before the new year next Monday. Thanks for listening and enjoy the holiday week.